Welcome to Social Work Made Accessible, a podcast where we have conversations exploring our profession, the practice, and people's perspectives. It's Mingfang, Dominic, and Rachel. Previously, in part one, we spoke about our reflections on power and privilege. In this second part, we move into considering how it may affect our practice. I do have a story about a gold story, G-O-L-D, that we have had worked with a client before, um, which I thought demonstrates a very varied beliefs about the same thing. So this, this is a housing project I was doing. And um, uh, this woman, she is a foreign born uh, uh, and she's Indian. And she married to a Singaporean uh, husband. And this family was facing a mortgage crisis. So when social workers go in to assess whether we could do some help, right? Um, I think the, the response from the, the woman was that I have go in the pawn shop but I really uh want to keep the pawn uh the the keep on paying. You know when they are in the pawn when they put the the gold in the pawn shop, they will have to keep on paying to ensure that the gold remains inside the pawn shop. Yeah, so we're thinking the amount of money that she pays to the pawn shop every month right, is equivalent to her mortgage. You know, yeah. So uh, but in those choices, she decided that she would rather keep the the money for the uh the the to keep the gold in the pawn shop and move into a mortgage crisis. So at that point in time, I mean, there were a few social workers standing around and we were like, I mean, what, what do we make sense of this situation? Like in, in a very um, strictly rational mind, right, I would say, of course, you keep your house over your head, right? Why would you, um, why would you put your money into the pawn shop? Yeah, but it's, it, this again is a difference in identities. She is a foreigner and then she is also a, a foreign bride, doesn't work. And this is the only dowry that she has from her family of origin. So it matters more than anything else in the world. Yeah, can I understand it? I don't think so. Um, and then how do I man- maneuver and work around it? I could also have the power to say, no, this one is completely uh, baseless and you kind of just... Uh, we then cannot give you any form of assistance. Uh, then that's the power that I can exercise as a social worker. Um, but should I exercise it? Uh, and what is this, uh, my position? What is the position that I'm coming from when I'm exercising it? It's a big question that actually to, to this day, two years after it has happened, I still don't have an answer for it because it, it is so, it's so embedded, embedded within so many identities that are similar and different in our lives. And maybe we might have made a different choice uh, if, we, if, if I was in her position too. So, so I really don't know the answer and I thought this was a clear uh, demonstration of how diversity uh, can, can also show up and power can also show up that, that, that will affect our decisions as social workers. Even as we're just talking about just your example, right? I also just think about things like uh, we have ethical considerations what happens then, I mean, we use the term cultural competencies. Do we, should we start thinking about things like having cultural uh, considerations in the same kind of level to, to recognize it as some form of standard? You know, when, when, when you talk about the dowry, when you talk about how much this symbolizes, uh, probably symbolizes how much it means to her, you know, that's a very, very different kind of conversation that you're going to have already. Yeah, so I think right now, even as we, as I just kind of like, Put a pause, right? Just to like pull all of us together. This is something that I've just been noticing. Um, and please feel free to chime in, okay? Because it's, I'm not trying to make things linear. It's just that I'm trying to to also articulate, okay? How then do I also think through this process? Like the first one will definitely be, be, I think the recognition or the reflection of 
that specific circumstance, noticing it for ourselves, okay, maybe this makes me feel uncomfortable or do, do I feel some form of privilege or do I feel some form of exercising of power? In that moment, I think that generates some form of awareness. But my question then, right, at least I was, as a, before you even shared with me the dowry story, is actually what do we do with this awareness? Because it always seems like, okay, now that we have awareness, now I'm culturally like aware, then move on. Uh, so I'm trying to tie everything together. Lah. So after this awareness, it does, your, your question about how do we make sense of this, you know, sitting, standing around together with the other social workers, there was a point of awareness of, A, this is something that's uh, a bit challenging. But how then do we make sense of it? Yeah, I thought that was the bridge for me because I think that that's the point where I sometimes get stuck at. Yeah, like, okay, now I'm aware that there's this power difference. Okay, now I'm aware that there's this cultural difference. Yeah, but I think the next question is actually going to drive practice a lot deeper because then you also started to talk about the implications upon practice, right? Yeah, and, and, and I, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of like try and draw out their process just to see what you guys think because I think that as listeners listen to this or so, perhaps this will be a good point where everyone's like, okay, we bring it back together and be able to see, okay, where am I at? Do I... Am I recognizing the, the circumstances that, am I, that I'm in? Do I know how what to do with my awareness? Am I actually at the point where I'm struggling with making sense of it? Am I actually, uh, and borrowing from Sienzia's words, right? Uh, at the point where I'm actually thinking about how do I use these opportunities to make things more equal? Yeah, so, so I, I don't know. Just feel free to chime in. Okay, I have a thought to throw to Sienzia and maybe like Mingfang and Dominic. Yeah, so I wonder if how we make sense of it also differs based on our position. Yeah, so Pei versus the other social workers that were there, and then Pei, whoever in response to your superior. Because I think it's not really a matter, in the work context, it's not really so much a matter of, okay, so I have the self-awareness, what do I do with it? How far am I willing to go in relation to my superior, and what will my superior's response be? Does my superior also have this self-awareness? Yeah, that, that's my question and my thought. And I think Pei and Cynthia are more senior than, than we are. Maybe you can share. Yeah, in your own experience as a junior staff before. I actually ran this whole simulation exercise in my class just to get a sense of what people will say in this story that I have, I have just shared. So basically, I grouped them into four categories. One is the client. The other one is the social worker. The other one is the management. The third, last one is the board. Yeah, and I asked, and I, I, I asked each of this group, right, uh, if they were to make a decision on whether financial assistance should be rendered to a person who decides to put uh, their own money into uh, keeping their goal in the, in the pawn shop or using this uh, to pay for their mortgage crisis, what would their responses be? And mind you, they were all social workers to be, uh, so they were all starting from the same point. Um, in the end, right, uh, I mean, part of it was also like I, I, sh- uh, I also indicated uh, what were some identities. So, for example, within the social worker group, there is, um, there is Indian, there's people who, who are, uh, there's a higher diversity within their social work group. And then I also kind of put in like in among maybe say the management team, there was less diversity. Yeah, so eventually this reflection, if it was me, I will have many, many uh, thoughts about it. But I will never as a Chinese person uh, view the same way of go as maybe my Indian colleague. So at that point in time, I brought in my Indian colleague to kind of talk about what is the experiences of um, uh, understanding go in the process of marriage. Yeah, and different of my Indian 
Indian colleagues had different views about it too because they also had different identities, right? I'm not just an Indian, I'm also other, other, other identities. Uh, and we had a really interesting conversation about understanding what it means to see things from different perspectives and what is it that we value in our life because of our different social location. Yeah, so uh, it's of course difficult in real life, but that I think is the purpose of studying and thinking a bit more about and being more self-aware about not just for us, but also for organizations and society that we work in. Yeah, I think I love just the entire discussion about how, how we make sense of it can be different, right? And I, I think the question I have for myself is whether there's a need for us to have a standardized version of what it means to make sense of this. Right, so maybe just using an analogy, something that came to mind is just that, you know, we, we all join the sector perhaps as a like square, right? And then as we start talking to people and, and as our experiences changes, right? Then we, we see different shapes, like example, a circle. And, and, and for myself, I think sometimes I reach an impasse because I'm not sure whether their lived experiences is like mine. Right, and it can be so far and so different, right? But does that mean that we are very different? Perhaps not, because fundamentally, I think we're all still rather similar in the sense, right? They're all shapes, right? And perhaps over time, our edges get softer, that, that we can be an in-between shape, that we don't particularly have to take a certain standard that is accepted across all. And I think for myself, that's an answer that I find to be okay, right? That we all represent different interests at different points in time, right? And as long as we are aware and we make conscious decisions about what it is to, I think, work towards um, developing the people around us and ourselves, then perhaps that is enough. I, I wonder if that also comes because we already have some form of power and privilege. That okayness yeah. with it is because exactly, yeah, that's we what don't... I was thinking. Yeah, it's also something that hit me this last year, right, it was when my colleagues from the minor, okay, my Chinese is very bad, okay, it's very bad, but externally, I look Chinese, lah, okay, my Mandarin is very bad, okay, so my, my minority colleagues were telling me um, that when they wanted to find, like, part-time ad hoc work, right, it was extremely difficult because a requirement, even if the job doesn't necessarily require you to speak Mandarin, they would still want you to speak some form of Mandarin. And possibly my colleagues could. Okay, one of them is half uh, half Chinese, half another race, but externally looks like the other race. Yeah, so, so he can speak Mandarin better than me. Yeah, so it hit me like, okay, I have never encountered this situation. I have encountered the situa situation as far as I can pretend that I can speak Chinese really well. And there was not, I do well in that job. Speaking Mandarin is a different thing. But I would never fully experience that process of being rejected one after another simply because people look at my race first and foremost and may not even consider asking me whether or not I can speak that language. Yeah, so that, that okayness that we have is simply because I don't have that experience. It never occurred to me that this is even a possibility. Uh, okay, so maybe at this point, maybe I can add in right, to, to tie things up a bit. Right? Because with, with Tom's question, initial question about how do we even make sense of all this and that we're all different. One way to, to help is, first of all, having dialogues with other people. It can be peers, other seniors in the field or, or anybody. Uh, it, the group is, is highly important. It doesn't have to be huge. Uh, even that three of you, I mean, having 
such conversations on SWM. It is another way of, of mutual learning. There's a, there's a certain power when people come together there's in a small group and, and like this to, to have discussions. That's where we learn. And from there, discover more about ourselves. And then that may give you more, more sort of direction of what to do moving forward, right? And I guess I can add a bit of a story also. And it is it's a never-ending sort of learning journey. So I have an interest in sort of community organizing. An example, right? I mean, if the whole fundamental idea is about equalizing their, their, their power. Um, and one of the ways is to get people involved, people participating in decision-making, uh, whether it's service users or even internal decisions, those kind of things. Those are very small ways you can try uh, instead of um, making quick decisions, although sometimes it is still necessary, whether it's their space to slow down, invite other people into the decision-making space and, and doing it together. It's a, it's a forever thing, right? We're still learning. I guess Pei also talked about it. Um, and I got an interesting story now that's happening now. Even in my current workplace, I, I find this myself in this very interesting position because um, I, I was part of a, a work group, right? I mean, this team that is in charge of uh, sort of like running this, this initiative. Um, and this initiative um, is, is to organize low-income mothers in, in the neighborhood. There's, there's some stuff changes and I end up as I'm now the, the IC, the, the person in charge or the staff IC of this initiative. And another interesting layer is that, okay, the first thing is the staff, the team that's involved, they're all women. And this is a women's collective. And me as a Chinese male, I'm the IC. It sounds very weird, right? So um, unfortunately, that's, that's the circumstance uh, of, because it happens to match with my other identity because I'm a, I'm a more senior. So they give me that role. Uh, but then now that I know about this, right? So now it's, I, that I have to do something different, uh, which I have no answer yet. And it might come out as, uh, as, as rather experimental some of the times. Uh, I may still do things unconsciously that um, may reinforce this patriarchal decision-making style. of, a, of a, Then now, um, it might take certain decisions. Um, so I might do things like not decide for certain things. I have to change the way I normally operate because of this acknowledgement of differences. Yeah, I I also realized that through this whole process of uh, what what do we do, right? It's actually often a question that I get asked from people around me, like, so what if I know about this power privilege or whatever kind of thing? Um, actually, you know, uh, in some one or two years ago, we did a piece of research regarding housing, which is the same project, and then uh, we looked into the different views that social workers and uh so-called clients uh, have relating to when they are ready to purchase a flat and when they feel that they are um, they, they are able to, to start start uh, the process of buying a house. And the social workers response, uh, we interviewed 10 and they said when they are debt-free, right? Uh, and then the clients interestingly said whenever we are ready as a family. Yeah, so the, the insight that we get from just 
uh, asking people for their lived experiences and having them participate in um, how we do things is actually really a reflection of the different ways that we automatically respond as a result of our social location. So for a lot of us who are kind of middle class and um, we are social workers with stable job, we also have CPF, etc. It will be very difficult to understand what is it like to consistently be in uh, debt or that debt is a part and parcel of life and such that is that maybe I would just go take one step at a time uh, compared to maybe a social worker who believes that all the debts we cleared before we start another debt. So um, I think the, the whole experience of really reconciling how people, different people see that same view through conversations, through interviews, through just discussing that issue without any judgment um, has led me to discover a lot of um, uh, things that are blind, blind spots actually. And, and, and that provides me with an opportunity to think through how I'm going to respond, right? So now that I know that maybe some people, uh, our clients do not really necessarily need to be debt-free when they move into one step, it may change my intervention with them. Yeah, even if I know they may not be fully ready or debt-free, maybe we can use a different approach to work with them. Yeah, whereas maybe if I didn't have this insight, I might say, okay, you must uh, be debt-free because that would be how I would have done and live my life, for example. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think it's a lot of all these insights that um, we need to also be consciously aware of uh, that there are different starting positions that everyone starts differently and they can also reach that same point even if we start differently or perhaps they reach a different point I don't know yeah so it's it's, it's that recognizing and really uh, changing our positions or how we work with them uh, in a different way so that I think like what Sienzie said, the conversations with clients, with community, and including people of very diverse uh, groups and representation of identities always inevitably leads to a richer conversation and understanding. Yeah. 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 You, you know, I think um, I, I just want to like share an experience before passing it to like Pei and Sienzie to just round this up. You, you know, for me, when we talk about power and privilege, uh, I think I saw this really showing up in practice because there was this intervention that I was doing with a client. Uh, in essence, it was an employment issue and I was trying to teach him how to fish metaphorically, right? But at the point of time, he just wanted the fish. He just wanted a job. He wanted to say, okay, can you just give me the fish? Whatever fish it is, I'm going to take it. So for myself, I got very frustrated at that. Yeah, because I'm like, why? Because this is going to solve it for you long term. But you know, upon like reflecting about it, right, and just pausing there uh, and thinking back about, okay, you know, there's a point of frustration, like where's it coming from? I realized it actually is a matter of privilege. Because for myself, right, I have the, actually the time to go and learn how to fish. But for him, he's in that state of, you know, if we, if we just layer upon layer of things, right, like for example, bandwidth tax, um, not having sufficient financial resources, um, pending homelessness. I think at that point of time, I... I, I honestly failed to see that that was his lens. Yeah, and, and it was an interesting session because we sat down in that session and we talked about it. Yeah, between him and I. And at the end of the day, when we left that conversation, right, I felt like our working relationship was a lot stronger. Yeah, and, and, and then part of time, I really just apologized to him and I felt that that was such a good moment because for me, or, or at least not sometimes, but I think one thing that I've always held on to is that I'm also working with another human being despite my power. Uh, sure, I can have that professional status, but at the end of the day, it's still another human being. La. Yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to say. And in fact, what I'm trying to do also is then to kind of share my own experience and frankly, my own failure la, in, that, in, that, in that term to hopefully spark some thoughts who, in whoever's listening 
to also think about your own interventions. Because like what Pei said, if she hadn't found those blind spots, understood the housing interventions in such ways, the mentalities of um, the residents around, it would be a completely different conversation. So you know, to, to Pei and Sienzie, as you all just wrap up this conversation, how has it impacted your practice? I think you all have shared stories, but I think that there's room for one more. Yeah, so that we can really, really tie it together and, and, and you know, have people listen to this and also in some ways to, to reflect, yeah. Okay, so, so maybe, I can, maybe I can start, I guess. Um, I, I, I like what you said, actually, you know, the, or like what you did. And, and that's a start because having that conversation, discussing those differences explicitly, that helps, to, helps you to find connection with the other person and helps to narrow that, that difference. And that ultimately, that, that whatever goal that, that is, or the, the direction moving ahead is, is sort of collaboratively decided. I think that's that's one of the main sort of essence or, or principles and uh, of collaborating. Not not collaborating in a, sometimes we say we just work together and that's collaboration. But for for collaboration to happen, there needs to be some some form of equal shared decision making, which sometimes is not possible uh, or not there. And when it's not there, then I mean it not only be like exactly 50-50, but some form of power sharing needs to happen for it to be a collaboration. If not, it's not a collaboration. If you're just being tasked by somebody else to do it or, or being prescribed uh, a certain role. So I think that that stance of collaboration needs to happen, whether is it in a, in a case sort of way that you suggested um, or even in a, in a group format. I guess um, that's, that's one sort of idea or like this stance to take. And, and for me, it's, it's generally creating these opportunities that's your role as a, as a worker or at least how I see my role is to create such spaces um, intentionally in order to promote this kind of solidarity between people and also agency. Ultimately, what we're doing is provide uh, promoting agency. People get to decide for themselves and, and not just the, the professional or the systems defining the problems. And, uh, important uh, question okay. to ask. You know, just now you mentioned about how there are some non-negotiables that you have in practice. Or like when you were saying some positions that you were taking. Actually, I wanted to ask a bit more. Yeah, a distance. Okay, one is distance uh, of, of collaboration. Uh, or at least trying to, to do something to invite that, that sort of collaboration. Um, and one of the things I would have a sort of, to me, is a, is a non-negotiable because that's, that's the way I decide I would like to practice for other, you may, others you might see it as like interest or passion, but it's not just an interest or passion thing. It's a, a, almost like a requirement for myself um, to do some form of community organizing. Um, so this is on a on a more community level, right? I mean, in individual casework, that's that's fine. I mean, like what Dom, you you gave a brilliant example, um, but it's also about community issues. Can communities? Uh, my interest is in more um, marginalized, vulnerable communities. Again, I don't like those two words, but those are the common words that we use. Uh, do do communities? have the space and the platforms to even design or, or solution or problematize. I mean, find the problems and find solutions for themselves together as a, as a group. Um, so I think that is my, my interest in, in practice. And that is what I would like to, to try to do whichever spaces or, or groups I'm, I'm working with. Um, and I think to Maybe, so I'll give you a story, a quick story maybe. Um, this, this happened, again, I, I talked about working with 
people with housing challenges in the past. So one of my sort of interesting thing that I did in the past was instead of, um, again, so social worker solving all these housing problems for, for people, again, is to, to put that problem back to the community and coming up with a, a joint idea of what to do. Um, so so it's, it's rather interesting doing group work with, uh, with, with people who have housing challenges. One of the common frames we, we use for, for homeless, uh, for, for people with housing challenges, they're homeless. I, I don't agree with those terms because um, one of the interesting conversations we have is we ask the people staying at the, the, the beach at the time, people say that you are homeless. What do you even think of, about this? And then we had a whole conversation about this and the outcome of that that conversation was um, they, they didn't agree with that term, that label, and they actually came out with their own word for it. They, they, they have their own identity um, and they sort of summarize it into this term called survivalist. So they, they refer to themselves as a survivalist rather than a homeless person because it has a lot of other meanings to them. So, so to them, they were not dependent on the state for, for financial assistance, which was true at that point in time. And they see themselves as working they were which they most of them had jobs and they were actually okay on their own working, uh, supporting themselves. Uh, they don't feel that they're lazy and unmotivated. So the, the whole idea about survivalist captures their identity where they are they have all these ways of surviving and that we all have problems. Um, it's just that their their problems is housing related, but we all have problems and that we are we, at the same time we all have the strengths and so and the sort of problem solving abilities to solve those problems and that's our process as long as it's about personal betterment as long as we be able to do something better uh, and that's enough so that that was the the meaning for them and this this frame is was only generated because we had that space offered this conversation to to people and you can generate quite powerful teams and one of the, the things that, uh, I guess I wrote an article about this some, somewhere else, but uh, I've never done any formal evaluation before, but I guess since, well, it's, it's interesting because this, these are the, the, the people that were part of this initiative, were those who have zero housing options at all. And, and within a year of this group, they actually all left sort of full-time or like a, a sort of more stable, may not be permanent, stable housing. Uh, which was interesting because most of them were they had zero options and were there for many years, can be for many years. So it was actually interesting that, that how if we provide people that space to, to take ownership of their challenges, how they can come up with more creative ideas, um, own the, 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 the decisions they're making and have better outcomes eventually over time. I have so many thoughts that I think I forgot your question again. <laughs> Okay, um, I think first of all, right, for me, the understanding of power and privilege for me has to be very congruent in both my professional and personal life. Yeah, um, 
if it's not congruent, then uh, I'm very out of sync. So, so for that, I hold myself very high on standards in my personal life, which has given me a lot of um, pain as well. Uh, so an example of a story that I had, had were about power and privilege was uh, one day I was just walking down the escalator and then this uncle tapped me from behind and asked me like, I, you know, he gave me a story of uh, he was, uh, he needed money to go home and he needed to take a taxi and he will need some money, etc, etc. So I think at that very moment, I caught myself in those different levels of thinking. The first question was, I should because I should believe in a person's uh, uh, story, right? I, I want to because that's congruent to me. Then, but at the back of my mind, I have this, you know, Mary, you know, the Mary, another person's voice, which is a Pei's voice in me that says like, are you sure she really needs it? How much is enough? Um, do you really want to make sure that he's, he goes into the MRT or, you know, that kind of thing? Uh, they are all my default question uh like social administrator kind of voices that are coming through me and then i'm fighting even though i'm going down the escalator uh and eventually because i was in so much of a hurry i was working faster and faster what happened was i managed to only find a two dollars and the person said that's not enough for me to go home and i felt immediately this sense of anger coming out of me which is very natural from uh that happened uh, and have no explanation for it and i was like what do you mean two dollars is not enough you know like in my mind i didn't say it lah. Um, and then he said, $2 is really not enough for me to go home. And if you really can't give me the $5 that I want, then just forget it. Yeah. And it was a very difficult moment where we parted. And right after I walked through the MRT gantry, I actually burst into tears. Uh, and it's a story that I repeatedly asked myself, what is it that I really stand for in, in my own life, with relationship to my power and privilege, and what am I using it for uh, in my judgment of people? So when, uh, when we say we withhold judgment in social work practice, right? I, I'm beginning to question myself a lot about, do I really withhold my judgment? Uh, are there many pays behind that are actually talking to me while I'm trying to withhold judgment? Or can I embrace all this judgment and start thinking, okay, now that I have all these different thoughts about me, what can I do with it? So, uh, so that was one story that really, really, really uh, caught me. And the other part of it was also when I'm in a hurry, when we are in a hurry, we tend to let our default forces take over. Yeah, so that, that part was very poignant. But larger than that, when we know about power and privilege, right, um, the bigger question for me is how can we uh, understand this and understand how we can include um, groups who are traditionally not invited to conversations, um, be it uh, at a client level, be it at a social worker level, be it at a manager, senior level, different levels of society, who is excluded. So consciously asking myself, uh, who is excluded from this conversation that I have the I may have the power to invite and bring into this conversation so that it will be a richer conversation about diversity, about uh, calling out each other's blind spot, uh, and maybe maybe even challenging what we believe to be true. Yeah, so the 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 bringing together of people to have that kind of conversations that are representative of diverse groups uh, is something very important to me that comes out of uh, this conversation of power and privilege. Um, and the question about um, whether people can bring in some of their best gifts into a conversation is something that I keep asking myself to think about as well. Because sometimes in our uh, usual work, right, I mean, you know, um, sometimes a lot of our work involves risk assessment, looking at the deficits and things like that. Uh, it's really easy to fall into that so-called default. Uh, and I want to keep on reminding myself that everybody brings gifts into conversations, gifts or talents insights based on their uh, beliefs, social location, etc. that they bring into it. 
so it's very hard for me, honestly. Uh, and I'm aware of it because I know I bring in with my own many pay voices behind me. Uh, and I believe that this, this happens to everyone. Yeah. And so really confronting this issue of power and privilege is beyond just withholding judgment. It's really what existing judgment do I have and how do I sit with it and how do I deal with it as a result of my interaction with others uh, and how can I bring this into both my personal and professional life for it to be congruent. Uh, it's very tough to think through this every single day uh, but for me it, it, the, the, the story of the man on the escalator and it's very epitome of actually what I need to work on every single day. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Ming Fang and I have some thoughts So Dominic said he will rearrange and edit this part So the questions will still come after um, But yeah, maybe I can invite Ming Fang to share first Go ahead, just give me some okay. time to Yeah, I think as, as Pei, you are sharing about how um, We can't really separate our personal um, and our practice, right? Uh, I think a question that I have for myself and um, for our listeners also is to ask ourselves like what are some ways that we can expose ourselves to different like people who are diverse from us and the reality is that I don't think making friends as you get older is necessarily easier so so something that I have found um, helpful as a start first is actually to watch TV shows with intention. I know it sounds, I know you just want to watch a TV show because you want to chill, but maybe I just share um, a show that really like kind of changed it for me. So it's actually this documentary called Making a Murderer. Um, basically, it's about this, what I think our concept of like a Caucasian is that Caucasians are more privileged and more power, like more powerful in, in maybe in the local in the Singapore context. Yeah, but um, in Making a Murderer, it's essentially about a white man I think if I recall correctly He may have some um, Intellectual needs And he's essentially uh, Of also like Lower socioeconomic background Yeah so with all of these Different um, Identities uh, He's actually framed for A murder of a woman And it's also about How the legal system Or the criminal system In, in the US um, Somehow <laughs> like casted him even though maybe he didn't even commit the murder okay yeah so and then to me I'm like wait white people get like like framed for these kinds of things like what what's going on yeah and the whole like show I was just like and then it happens to his nephew the second time okay sorry spoiling it but I'm just like what's going on like yeah so so I think um you know even if we don't have access to that experience in our normal social circle I think we can experience that through um, shows through films um, and, and we can enter into like different spaces I mean if there's really good storytelling then even better um, that we can enter and like hopefully empathize a little bit better with people's experiences that are different from ours yeah so you know maybe don't watch that Korean drama Maybe try something different from what you really like to watch. And yeah, but you can still watch that, the Korean drama. Yeah. Or Singles Inferno. Yeah. I think I bring myself back to pay sharing earlier. Um, I think even for myself, as I was reflecting on this podcast, um, the topic for this podcast today, I was just thinking that actually it takes a lot of 
courage to also just grieve a little because some part of me thinks that it's like grieving the people that we were. I mean, like it takes a lot of, you know, the stages of grief, right? It takes a lot. There's the whole denial process. Like, am I really like that? How can I think like that? Then there's emotions like anger that come up. Like, you know, the little pains you were just mentioning, right? That it's the little devils that are, are whispering the social administrator that you should be. And then it's bug the whole process of bargaining, negotiation, and then learning to come to accept it. And I think for myself, that, that was a big takeaway, that this process will not be something that will be easy, right? But it's something that we will just continually have to manage. And I think it's looking for diversity as well. Um, not just speaking to the people that we're comfortable with, right? Because, I mean, even in this discussion, I am seeing that we all hold certain power and privileges, but also including... Uh, and maybe to add to that, in a lot of these... Um concepts that I've learned along the way have helped me, I guess, in terms of managing my own self. The, the, like what Ming Fang suggested, I mean, all these, um, when, when you start processing about or thinking about all these ideas about power and privilege, those uncomfortable emotions will come. Um, and, but sometimes the, the conceptual knowledge may help in, in, in that part also, like in, in the whole processing space. So if you we would like to encourage you to have that conversation along the way somehow and sooner or later. I think, uh, I don't know, like you said, multiple levels, multiple thoughts. And I think uh, usually I try and summarize things for podcasts, but I think that actually for this podcast, it would be great to leave it on this note because I do hope that the audience is also transported into our conversation to hear and this episode with even more questions for themselves. But on that note, you know, Pei, Sienjie, do you guys have a question to leave with our listeners as we close this episode? If, if you're new to this, this idea about power and privilege, I think uh, a first start is to maybe consider for yourself in your, your role, if you're a social worker now, what sorts of power does a, a social worker have? Whether is it uh, based on your own identity or is it um, ascribed by somebody else just because you're a social worker, you get all these things. Uh, think about those spaces where you have to decide something and, and where does the power exist in, in those spaces. And after analyzing what, what sort of power you have, I guess, again, moving into then how, how does that affect the, the work that you do in terms of the relationships with service users, with your peers, with your colleagues, and, and all sorts of spaces. La. I think that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a start to sort of making sense of all the, the power dynamics and differences around you. Maybe to everyone and also to myself la, um, is, did I really withhold my judgment? And how to sit with my judgment, even if I have, based because I'm who I am, yeah. And it's okay, but what can I do with it? Uh, the sub question relating to diversity will be: Who else have I not invited to this conference? So with that, we've come to the end of the episode. Bye. 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 Bye.